Boom. Hello and welcome to the Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast with your host, Byron Rogers. This podcast is dedicated to the executive protection practitioner, the private security professional. In this podcast, we're going to talk about the mental, emotional, psychological, physiological fitness that goes into being an efficient and effective executive protection agent. Whether you're in law enforcement, whether you're a mom that's looking at how to protect your children or a father that's focused on how to protect his family. I believe this podcast has something for all of you. We might even get into some tales from the crypts of true Hollywood stories from time to time. I'm doing this podcast because I feel the reality of this job is simple. If you really want to be good at executive protection, it's more than just a job. It really is a lifestyle. And those of you who've been in the game for any serious amount of time, you already know what I'm saying is true. So if that sounds interesting to you, Enjoy the show. Out. And if you haven't already, get your tickets for the Protector Symposium. The first annual Protector Symposium is taking place in Riverside, California, November 15th and 16th. We've got an all-star lineup of seriously elite trainers, Yosef Badu, Ed Caldrone and Mike Pannone are all going to be there teaching and instructing us on, well, our common goal, how to make good people more dangerous. So no matter what your background is, you're going to learn skills around the one unifying principle of protection. Get your tickets. Uh, spots are going quickly. And remember, you're going to get over $100 worth of value back in different things that you're going to get from our sponsors with your purchase of a ticket. Check the website out, Byron Rogers Motivation, for ticket information and to learn more out. Boom! What's up, guys? This is Byron Rogers here once again for another episode of Executive Protection Lifestyle. And I've got a special guest with me today, Mr. James Hamilton. How you doing, sir? What's up, guys? How's everybody doing today? Good, man. Good, good, good. It's an honor to have you on the show. I um. I I was hoping I've been trying to get you on here. <laughs> I was hoping to get you on here sooner, man. We're at the close protection conference this year. And I was like, man, I'd love to have him on my show. So I'm really glad to be able to have this conversation with you today. I'm excited to be invited. Thank you very much. Uh, great. Thanks. Outstanding. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Trying to make, you know, trying to bring up the average, you know, that's really the it, game. You're doing it. Heck yeah. Good. Good to hear that. So yeah, man, without any further ado, I really, uh, another thing I'd like to mention too, is we haven't had anyone on here from Gavin yet. So I really want people to, I don't know, hear from, you know, someone who's big in the company and kind of understand the company too. So I'm looking forward to, to talking a little bit about that as we get down range a little bit. Yeah, excited to do that. Outstanding. So the, uh, you know, my first question my my psych background, I always love to get into this stuff. Who are you at your core, sir? You know, who's the guy behind all of it? Yeah, I, I heard it said once by Grant Cardone. I don't know if you listen to any of Grant's stuff, but he said, Oh yeah. What would you do for nothing? What would you do for nothing? Right? Like what is that? And and for me, it's it's protect people, right? So like at core, if you split me open, that's what it is. Now, do I like protecting people and being paid to do it? Sure. But I really like empowering people and let them protect themselves. You know, as Tony Blower says, be their own bodyguard for those that can. And But I love that. That's at core what I like to do is help people kind of demystify safety and all that stuff 
and help them basically get back to to what I know they're capable of. You know, if we went back 500 years before law enforcement and all this organized stuff, people took care of their own business. And it's within them, right, to do it. And that's what I like doing. That's that's who I am at core. Heck yeah. That's awesome. That's that's awesome. I feel the same way. I had a guy at, uh, I was at a venue the other day and he came in, he told me about his, I think his wife was, felt like she was, well, his, his fiance may have had a stalker and you know we're trying to have this conversation and it kind of dawned on me it's like man what she needs since he's living 45 minutes away is she needs to be empowered to understand how to protect herself and she needs to have a plan and really just exactly what you said it needs to be demystified and the simplicity of the art of protection is something she needs to understand and protect yourself <laughs> you know. a lot of people don't realize that they have and in fact not only do they not realize it but in fact they get mad about it but they have an internal radar right yeah. called intuition that will see the bad things coming but they hate it they're like oh i don't want to be that way <laughs> we all right gavin talks about it in the book right i mean that's yeah. when people complain wouldn't you i mean it, that's a great thing nature has given you a gift man they've given you a gift listen to yeah. it that's huge and i think I mean, we, I'm a, <laughs> this is a rabbit hole, but I think the whole, you know, our nature, our nation, the PC stuff, oh, all man. that stuff is a, it's like a barrier for people yeah. to really access trust and trust and act on their natural intuition. Well, yeah, I saw the guy over there, but I didn't want to call the cops on, on him because he's Middle Eastern or because of whatever it was. That's what one of the reports was after one of the attacks. I think the San Bernardino attack. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely unacceptable <laughs> you know so the, in if you in that book you know I'll, when i give presentations i talk a lot about your wild brain and that's what gavin's talking about is that a gazelle would never do what you just said right mm-hmm. a gazelle out on the savannah would never say oh i don't want to go into that lion's den to get out of the rain because you know he i don't want to be judgmental about the lion the gazelle would never do that right they're like that thing will eat me right, right. and they stay the hell away from it um, but we, as humans, we all, we're going to make all kinds of excuses to second mm-hmm. guess our, our intuition when we do it at our own peril, frankly. Absolutely. That's good stuff. That is good stuff. That's that's good stuff. Cool. So this the second question, uh, how'd you get into this? How'd you get into the game of protection? Was it a... Yeah. Man, I, I tell you, I get that one a lot, especially the FBI thing. Everyone's like, oh, because I went to Quantico with a bunch of guys and girls who their entire life wanted to be FBI. I was not that. I was not that guy. Really? Yo, no, no. I grew up broken home, all of it. But um, I want to go in the military. I want to be a fighter pilot. You know, I watched done oh. and I, I wanted to do all that. My dad was an Air Force fighter pilot, you know, all that. I went to military school and then I failed my flight physical. And uh, my whole life, just like my whole course kind of. You didn't know it. Right. I was like, well, what am I going to do now? And uh, so the military school I went to, uh, we had to take an ROTC. So I took Marine Corps, thought I was going to be a grunt. And then, uh, which would have been great. Um, And then we had, in 92, we had that big downsizing that was going on. And there weren't as many contracts. So I was doing some law enforcement, criminal justice stuff. And uh, did an internship with the Charleston Police Department. And that really kind of got me going. I was like, this is pretty cool. You know, these guys do some pretty cool work. And it's really, the thing I liked about it was it was authentic. You know, cops out there, they were like getting in fights. And there was not, the shooting wasn't as bad as it is today. But, you know, it was real. It was raw. I was like, wow, this is, and they got paid to do it. I was like, this looks pretty cool. 
So I did that. I was, I was a local for uh, five years in Columbia, South Carolina. And then wow. uh, I tell you, back to your question about, you know, how to, a little seed was planted in me when I was in high school. Um, I went to Washington for a close-up program through civics or something. And I saw the Secret Service, somebody, Secret Service, I think, black trucks, you know, guys with earpieces. Like, that's cool. You know, I'm <laughs> thinking, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then fast forward, I, I uh, get in the Bureau FBI in 97, and um, and I got into protection in 04, protecting the FBI director. And I was, and I ended up being that guy in the black trucks with the earpieces and the M4s. Um, that's how I kind of got in the game, if you will. Uh, so I got into it at the government level, federal level, protecting the FBI director, Bob Mueller. Um, and then I, you know, kind of got involved in training and all that. I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, but I read Gavin's stuff. I'm like, who's this guy? You know, like, who is this guy? And, uh, and you know, I wasn't, a, you know, like I said, I wasn't, a, I, I, I didn't want to be in the FBI like my whole life. So it wasn't a big deal to leave it. You know, I mean, I liked it. It was great. But I always kind of thought there's something else out there. Um, and then I got a chance to work for Gavin and I took it. So that's kind of how I got involved with, uh, with him. Um, but that's how I got in the game, if you will. Just kind of that mm-hmm. need to serve someone other than myself type deal. Um, yeah. That's outstanding. I kind of did the same thing. I was like, I think for me, Tears of the Sun got me. I was like, wow, <laughs> that, that movie. I, yeah, that's the one that got me. I was like, this is cool. I want to do this stuff, man. And then, yeah, that's it's interesting, you know, how, I don't know, I feel like especially young men are wired that way. You know, you're yeah. kind of trying to figure out, like, how am I going to leave my mark? And how am I going to, you know, matter and, you know, make my my masculine development you know earn my manhood and make it a non-issue you know and you oh that's a big deal dude what you're talking about right now that's a there's a really good book called the way of men i don't know if you ever read that you got to read that i have i have and i actually was leading a bible study and i asked the guys in my group i said when did you become a man Mm. like because that book talks a lot about calling a guy out Right. And in America, we really, unless you go in the military or something, it's really hard to pinpoint, you know, when you made that, that move. Um, but it, oh, yeah. that, that is needed. And Sebastian Younger talks about it in tribe, talks about how guys, you know, when they leave the military, they're looking for that tribe. They miss it, man. That's what they miss, you know, mm-hmm. being with, you know, with their buddies. And uh, that's, that's why another reason I like our firm is we kind of give, give those guys a, a next tribe, if you will um, to, to join. Right. Um, but you're right. It's a big deal for men, women too, but it is a big deal for us to have value and meaning. Absolutely. That's huge. That one question, when did you become a man? Mm. Mm. You gotta be able to answer it. You gotta be able to answer it. I remember I, for me is when I went to this, uh, the school I went to was called the Citadel in Charleston, Mm. South Carolina. And it was back then, it was hard. I mean, I say it's not hard now, but it was hard. And my dad was a graduate and he walked me in there that first day and it was out of control. I mean, there were no adults in those barracks. And he shook my hand. He said, do your duty. And he walked away. Outstanding. Oh, it's so good. I was like, whoa. And guys were <laughs> dropping like flies, man. Guys were quitting all the time. I had like eight roommates. And I was like, wow. Um, and it, it made you stronger, you know, because you weren't going to quit. Um, but that was for me, it's like, there ain't no walking away. And then when it's a policeman, you know, you, mm. you got some bad stuff that you're like, yeah, you, your manhood came pretty quick. Cause I'm yeah. 
ain't no playing. There's no there's no second, you know, chance or replay or any of that crap. It's for real out there. No joke. Heck yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's good, good stuff. I I feel like, and and really to be blessed to have that masculine leadership. You know, my father was another one that was really serious disciplinarian. Even now, when I'm getting ready to call him on Father's Day, I'm like, all right, <laughs> I'm about to, look at you. You turned oh, out. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's a. I love it. I mean, it's a grace of God. But yeah, we believe in that, like accountability standards. You know, son, how you doing? How much money you're saving? You need to be smarter with this. You need. To, you know, what I mean, like, and that's love. You know, that's that masculine love. You know, accountability and standards, man. You name oh, it. Yeah, that's, that's ooh, we can rare, do some more of that. Rare, yeah, that is rare in this world, my friend. That's the truth. Yeah, no, my uh, what did I do? Probably for me, really getting out of boot camp. You know. That's really when I really real like really knew I had something that no one and nothing could take away from me that I earned, yeah. you know, just graduating that MCRD San Diego. And then something else happened when I went on my first appointment. <laughs> you know, there was another like solidifying of this, you know. Um, yeah, that's those are good stuff to think about, man. That's deep stuff. <laughs> so for uh for everyone listening, your tactical background. Uh, you know, when I started, uh, started the sheriff's department and, um, back then SWAT wasn't like, you know, the big time SWAT back then was, uh, LAPD, right? That was, they were full-time SWAT. Everyone knew about mm-hmm. those guys and uh, Daryl Gates wrote this book called chief. So I got in the SWAT program real early and, and we had a team, um, and that kind of, that was in 97 or no, no, 93. And then, uh, so I did that SWAT stuff with a detective and I got in the FBI and gravitated right into it. And a lot of people joined the Bureau and there's a tactical recruiting program. We can talk about that later about, you know, people, your listeners, especially may want to go in the FBI and I kind of help them, you know, navigate that. But within the Bureau, they have the SWAT program, um, which every field office, there are 56 of them. Every field office has a SWAT team. And I wanted to be a part of that. You know, there was that whole uh, mantra, you're either SWAT or you're not. And, and I wanted to be SWAT, right? And so I got involved uh, in the, I was in a field office and I got on a SWAT team there, went through FBI uh, SWAT school. It was great. Um, then, you know, we did uh, all of the stuff you would, you would, uh, you would imagine room entries, clearings, uh, tubular assaults, buses, planes, all that stuff. Um, then we did some EP, did some close protection stuff. Um, but that's kind of the tactical piece. And then I became a tactical instructor in the FBI, which was that led to me being an instructor at Quantico as teaching new agents, basically how to, you know, what we, the unit we had back then was called practical applications unit. It's called the tactical training unit now. But what we did is we taught new agents how to apply what they've been taught. So they've been taught across the street, how to shoot, how to fight, how to, you know, handcuff. But what we did is through role players and scenarios is we taught them how to do it and when to do it. And there were consequences. You know, this isn't war. I mean, if you shoot the wrong guy, you're, you're probably going to jail. You're getting sued no matter what, but you may go to jail, right? And so we were very, very big into, uh, you know, deadly force application. And, and I've seen, you know, thousands of runs of humans doing some crazy stuff, some good stuff, but for the most part, some crazy stuff, you know. And that's why, going back to where you were about authenticity, you know, it, 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 there's no other form of authenticity than that. I mean, you're out there. I mean, I had a friend get killed, you know, in the line of duty and they don't come home. We used yeah. to always tell these agents, look, man, if you have a bad day in a stockbroker or whatever, you know, you just lose money. You have a bad yeah. day here, you don't come home, right? Absolutely. Your family has no husband. Your kids have no dad. And this is for real. 
folks, you know, mm-hmm. their eyes are slammed wide open because the FBI recruiter didn't tell them that. And I, <laughs> I always say in my presentations, man, be careful because I'm going to, I'm going to hit you with honesty arrows. They're coming. They're coming hard and fast. I speak truth. You know, that's, the world needs it. Right. I mean, dude, we had no tolerance for nonsense over there because you couldn't. So that was the tactical piece and loved it. Loved every minute. That was a great job. Um, and I love teaching and, you know, I still get letters from new agent or agents that were new agents back then, but the best are those, you know, Hey, sir, I was in a shooting and you saved my life. Thank you. And those are the best, you know, and, and I've got a couple of them. I'm very, very thankful that I had ability to impart some, something to somebody that, you know, come game day, you know, they heard it. That's, that's what it's all about. That is, man, that is, and that's really kind of is along the same, it runs parallel with that empowering people to protect themselves and to operate on the levels they need to. Uh, That's, that's good, man. For sure. It might be the theme. That might be part of the title of this one. <laughs> to this one, man. It's good stuff. Authenticity, man. Yeah. 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 And it takes a lot of uh, I think strength and development to be authentic, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing about like law enforcement and protection in the street, is that I mean, no one cares. They don't care about, you know, uh, your feelings or, or you know, your 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 inner child or any of that crap. I mean, no one cares, bro. Like yeah. it's like, and you yeah. win, you lose. And, and winning is living and dying is, is losing, right? I mean, it's accountability mm-hmm. at its highest form. And uh, you can't. It's reality at right, its highest form. Right. And you so. can't play with it. You cannot. That's what The Way of Men talks about. You know, that's why mm-hmm. I like That's a great book for guys to read. When Violence is the Answer, it's the only answer by Tim Larkin. Read that one. You know, that's what. Yes. You know, I mean, people who are willing to use violence, you know, I mean, that's what we're doing in, in, you know, in our game too. That's what we're doing. Law enforcement protection. We're willing to use violence. It just as they're willing to use it against us. Mm-hmm. You know, that's who's better at it from a practitioner standpoint is who wins that thing. You know? Absolutely. And that is the game and it's the ultimate just litmus test. You know, it's yeah. the, the multitude of decisions you've made in your life the algorithms you've been make, living by the did you eat the, all of it all oh, of it all of it, it collides <laughs> I always tell them, you can't go get an extra magazine you can't go get ready you, your body that you bring to that fight that's that's what you're fighting with you know and yeah. you can't throw that bad guy hey let me go get get in shape no my brother right now it's over yeah right, right. Yeah, and you, yeah, and you, the techniques you understand and can use, you know, well enough to survive while solving more non-standard problems that you're being faced with at that moment. You know, it's that's the reality of the game. And I think with executive protection, it's kind of, it's a little tricky for some guys. I fortunately have the trauma of Iraq in my brain. It's like, yo, at any moment, things can go crazy. Like this, this is this is not real. Like it can, things could blow up. Things can go crazy. So I have a, I think I have an easier time staying in that mindset, but like with executive protection, when things are just like smooth for a long <laughs> period of time, it's the same drive to work. It's the, you know, it's, it's just a, a slow Tuesday, you know, it's another event, you know, here we are again doing the thing, the art of maintaining that like mental stance, you know, um, and not getting complacent is truly right. I tell my guys all the time, or my people, not guys with men and women, uh, is, you know, I pray for energy. 
Yeah. Uh, like I pray for your energy. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I pray for you to have energy because vigilance is tiring. It yes. makes you tired. So I pray for your energy. You're going to need it every day. You know, you know, when you get up in the morning, I used to tell FBI agents this all the time. You know, you look yourself in the mirror, put your stuff on and say, it's the day of the day. And am I ready? Am I psychologically, physically, mentally ready to go do what needs to be done? And if the answer is yes, go out there and face that day. You know, and if the answer is no, stay your ass home. Yep. <laughs> and deal with the consequences. <laughs> you know, that's the game. That's good to go. What is, so what are you up to these days? Yeah, a lot. You know, every time we have an event, uh, unfortunately, uh, especially a shooting event, I, I get called to do either active shooter preparedness for companies or personal security awareness training for companies, uh, for the employees mostly. And, and I love that. But it, I also, within the firm, I do all quality control. So I do a lot of audits of our programs, of our protectors, of our protective strategies. Um, so, you know, I don't know, 60, 40, 50, 50. I don't know how you percentage wise added up, but spend a lot of time on the road, you know, cause that's, they're out there and clients are out there. Um, but those are the two things I, I spend most of my time doing, um, you know, presentations for people empowering others and audits of our own folks, making sure they're doing exactly, you know, what we told the client we would do, right? That's the big thing. We promise a client a certain thing, a certain protector, qualified protector who's going to provide a service, right? And I'm going to make sure we're doing that and we're delivering that and we don't charge them a dime for it. We don't charge a client one penny for me to come out and assess. And that's a nice thing, you know, and, and, and it's good. And it helps, it helps our folks. Cause like you said, you know, they're, they're driving the guy to work every day and they get you know, into a routine and complacent. And I'm like, Hey, have you ever thought about this? They're like, Oh man, I never, never thought about that. One. You know? So it's good to get some fresh eyes on it. Um, and, and I, and I love it. I love what I do. I love, uh, I love the guys I work with. That's outstanding. No, that's a fantastic just thing, business system, you know, to have the, have the high brass come through and, (laughs) you know, make sure everything's the way it's supposed to be. You know, that's, it's definitely good. That's good to go. Um, so Gavin to Becker. So if you would just like, what's like a, you know, why Gavin, like a one Oh one, you know, what do people need to know about the company, you know, from a practitioner standpoint and all that fun stuff. Right. Well, it, it's the one thing about us is is we we uh, we're not for everybody. I, I'll just say that on the front end. <laughs> That's the truth. We're not for everybody, right? I mean, yes, I've definitely noticed and heard. Yeah, uh, we're not for uh, all protectors, and we're not for all clients either. Um, some clients may not like our methods, um, and and some protectors may not like our methods, um, and that's fine. Uh, and, and no problem at all. We're for you know kind of a very specific thing. Um, we're really for people who are looking for that next step, you know, maybe they're leaving the military, leaving uh, some unit or law enforcement and they want to go and, and they want to work, you know, for a professional organization that, you know, is pretty well established, which we are. Um, and we're very receptive to those types of people. Um, our standards are pretty strict. Uh, we have, we have, I want to use the podcast to make sure I, I, I talk about some things that I've heard that aren't true. I, I heard someone tell me on LinkedIn one time that, you know, a, a GDBA protector can't have tattoos. Well, that's not true. That's just simply not true. They can definitely have tattoos. They just can't show in a, a business suit, right? So if they have a face tattoo or something, we'll probably have a problem um, or hands. Um, but it's on your, anywhere on your body. Fine. You can have full sleeves, completely fine. Um, we just want them covered. Right. So I want to make sure people understand that uh, we do have a physical fitness standard um, that is 
accountable, right? Like you have to pass it. And if you don't, there's repercussions. Um, something I wasn't used to in the FBI. I mean, you know, Jim Comey, like him or not, but that guy fought forever to get agents to actually take the fit test. And, and he was fighting tooth and nail to make them do it, um, which to me sounds crazy that you'd have to fight them to do it. They should want to do it, right? <laughs> Call me nuts. Um, but yeah, so we do have a physical fitness test. Uh, we also have no nicotine policy, which is pretty unheard of in 2019. Um, but we yeah. do no nicotine policy. Um, other than that, um, that's you know kind of where we are as far as the standards go. Um, it, it it's it's difficult. I, I tell I get a lot of calls from folks who are leaving the law enforcement or retiring. And they're like, hey, you know, I, I want to kind of get a, a new a second job and and you know maybe not work as hard. I'm like, this isn't for you because we work long hours, as you know. I mean, that's how this job is. Um, and, and I think it's difficult, you know. And, and I think. Um, just fundamentally, I think it's going to get more difficult uh, to find people for all of us, yeah. right? Because we want the same people the military want. We want the same people the FBI want. Um, and that, that population is getting smaller and smaller. You said it better than I was going to say it because the quality of people well, that are being turned out by uh, our culture yeah. is diminishing, I believe. Yeah, DOD just did a big study. It just came out that uh, the Americans are, 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 it's more difficult for DOD, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines to get people to pass their fit test. Uh, oh, yeah. that's, that's just a fact. And um, that's unfortunate. Um, there's a lot of reasons why I'm sure I'm not a, you know, I'm not an educator, but um, I know that, you know, kids don't do those things in PE that maybe you and I were doing. I don't see yeah. that, you know, um, so it, it is concerning because I want that same person, you know, I mean, my fit test, still my fit test and that ain't going away. Uh, that's one thing I love about Gavin is, you know, the things you read in the book, like that's him. That's how he is. Um, that, that's not a persona. That's, that's how the guy is. And when he says, Hey, I'm going to hold people accountable. He does. And that's, you know, that's, that's why I chose and go back to your original question is, yeah. uh, you know, he, he was just really, I wanted to be a part of it. I read those books. And I was like, man, this guy, wow. Yeah. So we find ourselves back around standards and accountability. <laughs> I can dig it. That's good to yeah. go. Yeah. yeah, that's good for the soul. What about uh? So why the no tobacco policy? What's the uh? Well, from what I didn't, what I understand, and uh, if you read just two seconds that book Gavin wrote, uh, Tom Taylor and Jeff Morfort, what they talk a lot about is being in the now. And, and being, you know, being present, P-R-E-S-E-N-T, or present, as they say. Um, and what Gavin believes is that the nicotine, if, if you're kind of jonesing for a fix, it might take you out of that. You're drifting. Yes, sir. Um, now, I've caught, I don't, I don't use nicotine, but like I've caught myself, you know, drifting, you know, on post thinking about stuff I shouldn't be thinking about, getting out of the now. Um, and so that's why we have it. Um, we look at, and that's the nice thing about us is we have an internal system where uh, a protector can say, hey, I don't agree with this policy or I don't like this. And what we encourage, and I get these a lot, I get these probably, I don't know, 10 or 12 a week. Um, hey, why do we have this? Why do we have that? So protectors can reach out to me at a senior vice president level and say, hey, I don't agree with that policy. Why do we have it? And then I'll, hmm. I'll email them back immediately. Hey, let's call. Let's have a, let's get on a call and, and we'll talk about it. I'll explain to them why we have the policy. Uh, I'll listen to them and why they disagree with it. And, and, and if I think it makes sense and Hey, we ought to get rid of it. We'll move to get rid of it. And we've done that. You know, guys have said, Hey, this is stupid. I'm like, yeah, you know, let's look at that. 
So that's a nice thing versus the government where I, I, hell, I couldn't get a policy change. My gosh, you had to get Congress convened, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's a whole nother, yeah. Question I get hit with all the time is how do I get into executive protection? And sometimes I look at the guy's profile and I'm like, you got a lot of work to do to be getting into the executive protection game. Um, But other times I'm kind of like, hmm, maybe I need to meet you and have a conversation with you to see what's your sticking point or take a look at the presentation and different things you're doing uh, when you approach companies. But uh, what advice would you have for folks that are, you know, have that question of, how do I get into executive protection? Yeah, I always ask them why. The very first thing is why, man. Why do you want to do this? Yeah. You got to keep the grips with that one. Like, and give me a real, don't give me some coined resume answer. You know, <laughs> Because I want to, yeah. <laughs> well, because that's not going to sustain you, right? So no. please hear this. Like, if, if they're thinking, oh, no, I want to be like Frank Farmer, Kevin Costner, you know, in the Bodyguard movie, uh, bro. Let me tell you, you're probably not going to get a chance to do that right away. But even when you do, they don't show in the movie that Frank's feet are hurting. He's tired. His back's hurting. He hasn't seen his wife or he didn't have a wife. But, you know, you're gone all the time. Like there has to be something about the work that sustains you. Right. So I need to hear something about it's in my soul. Like I, I want to protect people. Right. Like give me it. Uh, just strange but interesting, you know, kind of tangent. When I was running the FBI protection school, I used to ask this question. How many of you come from broken homes? Because I think a lot of them do, right? And more than 50%, their hands would go up. And there's something to that. It's something about wanting to control your environment and protect people, blah, 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 right? Um, but So that's what I tell guys, first of all, is why. Why do you want to do this? And when I hear, because I want to protect another human being, or like I had a protector say to me the other day, he's like, I, I know that when I'm in that room, that person is safer. I'm like, damn, okay. Good to go. Right. Okay. I get it. Now, now we got the why, right? So once we feel, okay, now it's for who? Now that's your next question. Who do you want to do it for? Do you want to work for a big established company like Gavin or AS or, you know, uh, Ally or whatever, you name it, Pinkerton, that's fine. Right. Or do you want to do an independent deal like what you do, right? Or what, you know, other guys in the industry are doing. You want to, you know, or maybe they get into it because they're guys from their unit already have a pre-established, you know, contract with a client and he's a good client. All great. Um, but I tell them to get some training. If they haven't had some formalized EP training, get it. I don't care where you get it from, just get it. Right. And the reason I say that is because um, a, a similar job, here's what I see is a guy was a retired cop 25 years and they think, well, he's going to be a good EP person. Well, mm-hmm. why? Why? Well, tell me why. Well, he's a cop. Well, that's different. You know, a police officer's job is to identify an arrest. Our job at core is covering evac. They're totally different. Those are two different jobs, right? Like, I don't want you going offensive when you should be defensive, get the client off the edge, right? Absolutely. So that's why I want to get an EP training. I don't care who does it. Somebody needs to give you some EP training so they get their mind changed, right? Um, so that's what I tell them is go get some EP training somewhere and then just target you know, a company you want to work for or an organization you want to be a part of, right? And then just get better. Like you, man, like I tell my guys all the time, I always say, you know, who was Gavin? And my people go, oh, well, he wrote the book or he was a Navy SEAL or he was a super assassin. I'm like, look, he was a guy that 40 years ago looked around LA and said, hey, I think I can do really good in this world by protecting celebrities. And I think I can do it. I think I can be the best. And he wanted it to happen. 
right? He had what we call where I come from, the want to, right? He had the want to, and he did it, right? He, like you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. He, just, he made his own path, man, right? And, and I tell him every day, you can choose to be that guy or you can choose not to be. And it's a choice you make every day. Man, that's some good advice. It really is. There's so much to that. The choice you make every day, huge. You got 24 hours. Oprah's got 24 hours. Trump's got 24 hours. I was saying this morning on one of my videos on the on Instagram, I was just like, it's not the wind that determines where we where we end up. It's the way you set your sail. Oh, I was man. like, at the end of this day. And, and everyone's like, oh, it's Friday. I'm like, I don't care what day of the week it is. <laughs> you know what I mean, like at the end of this day, the difference in people is there's those people who like just go with the flow. And then there's those people that are deliberate. And I'm like, I'll be danged if I don't do something yeah. that is going to matter in alignment with what I believe my purpose on this planet is, wow. you know, and it's a calling and it's all those deep things that you mentioned. Um, then, that's your guy. The, that, that, I love the wind thing. That's really good, by the way. Uh, but the question for the guys, right? Um, I always ask, hey, what do you want to do? So we know you want to do protection, but like in what type of environment? You know, because I have guys, I have guys now that work for me and I, I tell them you ought to go contract. <laughs> you, know? you ought to go overseas, man. You really should. Because they're like, hey, I want to, you know, get after it. Get right? after it, man. Right. You come alive over there. Here you're going to yeah. be. Like, Dude, come on. I mean, it's just different. You know, so I'm, I tell them all the time, you might want to think about that. And I always tell them, don't leave for five grand, right? Don't leave for the money, right? Because right. it's not going to be worth it, right? Leave for the environment. Leave for the environment. Are you working with people you respect? Are you working for someone that, you know, treats you well? You know, what's that worth to you? You know, I'll say to guys all the time, what is that? You're sitting, you know, because we have some pretty high profile clients. I'm like, you're sitting at the feet of history. What's that worth to you? You're seeing things that, you know, man, in 30 years, you can be oh, like, wow, I was there. I saw that. Yeah. What's that worth to you? You can't put that in a paycheck, you know. It ain't so. Don't leave just for five thousand bucks, you know. Yeah, and no one's gonna believe you, so you <laughs> just enjoy being there. You know, you can't talk about it anyway. Right? No, um, that's, you can't. Yeah, uh, that 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 why question, and and I've had a lot of really kind of tactical approaches, like get your resume, do your thing. And that why question's huge because yeah. that is what's gonna sustain you and what you're gonna eat off of when you're because you're doing life with someone. You know what I mean? Like holidays. So is your client just going to not because it's a holiday? No, like you probably work more on the holidays. You know, like yeah, you're doing life with someone. So you need a deep why in order to find this job to be an honor and a privilege, the honor and privilege that it is. You know what I mean? Otherwise, it'll be a chore and uh, you'll break down internally in terms of your attitude and all these things uh, and how, you know, you think you, it just it just gets in, it gets complicated. You know, uh, that's really huge. Hard. Yeah, it's a really hard job. And I, I, I say this a lot when I speak is that, you know, uh, this is a hard job. And I don't think because, you know, so rarely, really rarely do things happen. Right. Where if someone's assassinated. Or, I mean, there's more embarrassment type attacks than there are mm-hmm. in America. Um, but man, that's, we have people out there every day. You're out there. We have people out there every day doing you're doing the work, right? And nothing mm-hmm. happens. It's hard. This is a hard job. And then that one thing happens, right? Oh, he should. You know, the keyboard warriors say, "Oh, he should have done this. Or he should have done that." <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, you weren't there, my friend. And uh, yeah. you don't. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And we eat our own. So oh, God. it's so bad. <laughs> you know, like it's so bad. Even when I've done some reviews on some things, I've, I always try to make sure everyone understands I'm coming from a place of grace here. You know, we're going to try and learn from this event. Yeah. However, you know, I don't know what's going on with these guys. This is no bash to these guys. It's unfortunate that this happened to these guys on this detail. Okay. We're yeah, just going to try to I, learn from this event. I always say definitely learning, but I always say this when I, when I'm teaching is that I, I don't believe, and no one's been able to change my mind on this one. I don't believe that a professional bodyguard ever sets out to fail. I don't believe, I, I can't believe in my heart that they intend to go out there to fail. I think one of two things happens. Either they're physically out of position. They're just not in the right spot, right, to make the play. I talk a lot about, you know, sports analogies. They're just not in the right position on the field to make the play. Or yeah. mentally not engaged. They're not there mentally, right? They're off. They're thinking of something else. Maybe the client yelled at them on the way there. Maybe they said, hey, back up. Don't get so close to me. You know, these things happen. And, and I think mentally they're just not there. And then they're brought back into it like, oh, crap. This now, is happening now. Right. And now they're playing back, but it's too late. It always comes down to minutes and miles, right? It, it's minutes and miles. It, it comes Absolutely. down to time and distance always, always, right? But, yeah, that's – it's a hard job. And, and I time just want and distance. people to do it. Yeah, it, that's – it's everything, everything. Absolutely everything. Yeah. That's I mean, I like, it's one of those things I know, but to hear you articulate it, it's like, wow. Pause for effect. That's huge. Your time and distance is, is that's the, that's the game, you know, your tactical placement where you're at on the field. Like, you know, the Reagan shooting, right? Everyone Mm -hmm. knows the Reagan shooting. Everyone I'm sure has dissected it. But what I always say when I teach it is thank God, thank God that Jerry Parr, the guy that was protecting Reagan and drove Mm -hmm. him in. Thank God Jerry Parr didn't say, oh, I'm going to give you some space here, sir. Right? Like a lot of clients will do. Hey, give me some space. What do you know about the X? What do you know about in and around a vehicle? Jerry Parr's professional. He knew all those things. And thank yeah. God he was right on top of Reagan in that moment. And I always say, look, sir, I don't want to be on top of you, but there may be times where I am. Right. There will be times I give you a lot of distance based on the space and the environment. But that's our job. That's our job to know that. Right? Mm-hmm. And make those considerations. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. That's good stuff. Um, and then you said something else I wanted to touch on too. Yeah, a lot of, I feel like a lot of people don't really consider, you know, when you're trying to get in the game, you're trying to get in the game, but uh, don't leave for the money, the oh. quality of life uh, kind of components that are going to contribute to your quality of life have so much more to do with the team you're going to be working with and the client you're going to be working for. Those two things are so big and what type of I mean is it you want to be around the acting and singing talent are you looking for something more conservative like a CEO or you know a family or you know these considerations can speak a lot to the longevity and enjoyment of a, of a guy in this game girl in this game absolutely that's 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 weathered that's 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 wisdom y'all so <laughs> pay attention to that stuff uh what would you say the mark of a good agent is if you're going to just talk about the biggest thing I look for is uh, two things. They're smart. First of all, they're smart. They're educating themselves daily, right? They don't just go, oh, I did this years ago. No, no, no. They're learning on a daily basis. They're humble and they have attention to detail out the wazoo, right? Like their whole life is attention to detail. They're always thinking next step, next step, next step. Like they're the guys you don't want to play chess with, right? Because they're already three steps ahead of you, you know? 
that's that, that's what makes a really good agent. The you know, responsiveness, obviously, um, we have a bunch of you know invisible qualities. We go by courage, obviously, integrity, all these things. But at core, you know, I want some humility. I want real strong attention to detail, and I want someone who's really smart. Like I, I can help you do pull-ups. I can teach you to do pull-ups, man. But I can't give you that, right? And your humility, like the I want to learn, right? That oh, golly, that's rare. That's a rare thing. It's like a unicorn. Yeah, yeah, and it's so important. It's like yeah, I couldn't have said it better. Mm-hmm. Outstanding. So. Moving into a little bit, I mean, we talked a little bit about the FBI, but what, what were like your biggest takeaways from your career there? Oh, I was just so fortunate. Just so fortunate. Um, I just had so many good things happen for me. Um, my first office, for instance, I, I was literally, uh, I sat next to a guy named Ed Morales. Well, Ed Morales was, was the you know, Miami shootout hero. He was the FBI Miami shootout. He he saved the day with one hand. He worked an 870 shotgun, killed two guys. You know, wow. he's sitting right next to me. So I got to do, like, my first arrest was with Ed Morales. Like, dude, in the FBI, that's like suiting up next to Michael Jordan. It's like 20 yeah. feet right there. Like, next to- like chesty puller or something yeah. for us, you know. Exactly. <laughs> right there. And so that was I was very fortunate. You know, I had a lot of really great people around me, uh, you know, Deirdre Fike, Chuck Kemp. Uh, just people come to my mind, my SWAT team leader, I'll never forget that guy. Um, just great people, you know, and then I, I volunteered for protection, started doing a little bit of protection gigs. Um, but I got very, very lucky to be selected to be in the best job I probably ever had, except for the one I have now, of course. But when I was with FBI Director Bob Mueller and those those agents, that was the best four years of my life professionally. Um, they were just great people to work with. He was, first of all, he was great. His wife just fantastic people to protect. Uh, and then the people I worked with were just some of the, they're still my friends today. I talk to them all the time. Um, I was just so fortunate to work and I was very sad today. I left. Um, they were great, um, but it had a shelf life. You know, I think I was gone 297 days my first year. That's a lot. Um, and so I, I got off. Yeah. I, mean, I see your eyes. <laughs> that's a, that's a light. That's a year. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the greatest job in the FBI I ever had for sure. Um, and then, you know, doing the training was great training those new agents and then, you know, um, parlaying that into kind of what I do now. I have no regrets, none whatsoever. Um, nothing. I mean, I, it was great. Outstanding. What, and which courses and training did you have a hand in? Or did you set up for them? Yeah. So what was already pre-established when I, I, you know, the tactical program training agents had been done for years. Um, And then I was very fortunate. One of the people from the detail, his name's Baylor. He was running this thing called the overseas survival school. And he asked me if I'd like to come be an instructor over there. And I I really was interested in that because I had done so much travel anyway in my protective life. And so let me just explain how that worked is we have six, the FBI has 63 foreign offices. So those are FBI personnel working overseas and they had to be trained to work overseas because most of them are working unarmed, right? Most of those agents are not, you're not carrying a gun in London and stuff like that. Um, now, of course, in some cities they are, but this isn't Jason Bourne. This isn't the movies for most part, they're not carrying weapons. So what we did in that school is a two week school is we, we really worked with their brain, like how to, how to use, situational awareness, right? How to do a proper route analysis, how to do surveillance detection, not counter surveillance. Those get confused all the time, but surveillance detection. And then once you've detected surveillance, then you do counter surveillance, right? And then you can do anti military. 
those terms get used wrong a lot, but whatever. Very often. Right. And then we do what we call attack recognition, which is how do I avoid the X, right? Or, okay, I'm on it. Now what do I do? Right. And then we, we did two weeks of training, taught them foreign weapons, taught them, uh, you know, how to get off the X, how to drive, did three days of driving, did a little bit of personal recovery stuff, you know, how to get out of things. Um, but I love that. So I, I was, uh, ended up being a program manager in that school. So I was training all thousands of people because we did spouses in that school. It was one of the only governmental schools I'm aware of where non, you know, governmental people. So if you were married and you were getting transferred to Paris, your wife was offered a slot in our school and she could come. Really? Yeah, and she come there. to Paris too? Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. She go to Paris for sure. But she come to our town. Wow. And so yeah. she'd learn all this stuff. She'd, we'd let her ram, let her pit, do all this stuff on the track. That's and, so cool. It was empowering, right? It was so great. Right. Um, so anyway, while I'm running that school, uh, the FBI, one of the FBI guys in protection called me. He's like, hey, would you create like a formal protective school for the FBI? Because we had something, but it wasn't really formal. And I'm like, sure, you know, I'd be glad to. And I ended up creating a two-week school where we would train agents who were being selected because the FBI only does two protective details. They do the attorney general of the United States and they do the FBI director. Now, the hostage rescue team, they do some protection, but that's not like a full-time thing. Um, and I'm not going to talk about what they do. They do it very, very well. But just regular, like EP type work, there's only two details in the FBI. And those agents, you know, weren't getting a whole lot of formalized training. So I created a, 80, a two-week school for them that really taught, you know, kind of to what they were doing, their profile, armored vehicles, big, you know, big profile, five, six agents, uh, M4s, you know, all of it. Um, and I learned I, back in that overseas thing, we were, uh, hey, we were doing a, uh, mindset so we were giving out that gift of fear book right that gavin had written i didn't know anything about gavin and becker i read the book like, this is pretty cool um didn't really think anything else about it well start the protection school and somebody from the detail i think told me they're like hey you ought to read this book called just two seconds I'm like what's that so i read it and and it's like whoa right like holy crap like what a realistic understanding of combat and yeah. the way these events happen and like an no awesome. fluff no but like these are numbers. This is yeah. how it works. I didn't know anything about projective or protective coverage. I didn't realize right. the vehicle's most dangerous place. Like I didn't know all that stuff, right? It's and so was. amazing. And mm-hmm. So I read that book. I was like, holy crap. And anyway, in that book, he's got this thing called time and distance, this drill. And so I was looking for curriculum for the FBI school. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I'm going to put that in there, right? I don't care. So I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, I put it in, and I started doing it. And I got a call from get from him or an email. He's like, hey, are you using uh, my book at your school? I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble. You know, <laughs> I, I kind of like you, I think, in that I, I like to ask for forgiveness and not permission. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, hey, sir, I'm sorry, but I just thought it was really cool and good. And I thought I'd use it. And he's like, no, I, let me help you use it. You know, so he explained to me like all of it and how they did it and why they did it and then he started telling me that like he's got a firm of bodyguards. Like I thought you were just an author. Like I didn't know anything about the. I didn't know there was a company with bodyguards. Like I had no idea. Yeah. So I flew out to California to see like how they do what they do. And man, I tell you, first day I was like, wow. Like I want to be a part of this. Like it wow. was amazing. I was blown away. I was blown away by the firearms training, building chain stuff they were doing. Really. 
Yeah. So was, you're in the FBI and you're blown away by the yes. by Gavin's training. Yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, because this, like you, you've seen like the stress inoculation stuff we do with the dogs. Like, I could oh yeah, like FBI agent. I'm like, God, you kidding? They fire me. <laughs> <laughs> but I understood it. I, I I get why he's doing that, right? And, and for me, I've always been a believer of common sense dictates my tactics, right? Like yeah, it, situation dictates. I don't do it, right? Mm-hmm. If it's some nonsense that is never survived, I don't do it. If it's too complicated, yeah. nah, not doing it. <laughs> Got to make sense, right? And so for me, mm-hmm. I've always been a big believer in that. No matter who wrote it, if it makes sense, I'll do it. I mean, definitely made sense to me. So yeah, so I was running those schools, and then he and I started talking, and one thing led to another. But right, um, history. Yeah, so that was that was a cool time. I was really excited and thankful. I was able to to do those things, and like I said in the beginning, I was just very fortunate. My entire FBI career, I I just look back on. I was very fortunate, and um, I'm glad I did it. But I'm also glad I'm in the private sector now. Heck yeah, outstanding. Yeah. Good to get. Any advice for anyone wanting to get in the FBI? I don't know if someone's going to be wondering. Yeah, yeah, I get a, I get a lot of those calls, and I'm glad to take them. Even our own protectors. I mean, I, I think I have one guy going to Quantico right now, and we we tell them, hey, if that's what you want to do. We'll support you 100. percent We give them a little uh, pad folio with all their certifications. We help them write their resume. You know, we help them because it, wow. we, we want it to be better for them. Whatever if that's what they want, we're going to help them. And I think that's a really neat thing that our firm does for folks. Um, and I'm glad to do it for him. But yeah, to answer your question, I always, when people say they want to go to the FBI, I'm like, why? You know, again, <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's get back to beans and bullets yeah. here. Right? And they're like, well, I want to be in law enforcement. I'm like, well, slow down. Maybe you want to be a local. There's that's, a lot of ways. Right. That's real, like real hardcore law enforcement. You know, now FBI is different. That's federal investigations. That's real protracted, long-term work, you know, a lot different than, you know, a uniform officer. Um, and if they say something that sounds an awful lot like, well, you know, I want to get paid a little bit more and I, I want to work more like investigative work. I'm like, okay, yeah, FBI is probably a good spot for you. Um, you know, what do you want to do? Because the FBI has like 300 violations they look into um, a lot. And so like the DEA or ATF, you know, those are very kind of, you know, they look at very specific violations. Right? Niche kind of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, very good. Very Secret service, you know, very, very good at what they do, but they have like this kind of narrow field. Whereas a bureau is huge, you know, and I tell guys a lot, you know, you could get, you know, cause they, they kind of, uh, career, career, career track them. And you may want to work bank robbery, but man, very few people work in bank robbery. And they may put you like on an FCI foreign counterintelligence squad. And you, and that could be your life. You know, you, you'd be, you know, chasing spies around. Is that what you want to do? I mean, you know, I don't know. You gotta be, hmm. Think long and hard. And the other thing I say, and this is really important for your listeners, is understand that, especially the FBI, you have really not a lot of say, at least for your first office. And you get to fill out that little dream sheet, right? It's one through 56. Like, and I'll just tell you what happened to me. Like, I put everything on the water, right? I'm a water guy, right? And yeah, I'm with office, you on that. You know where this is going. So the night before we get our orders, I, my wife says, Where do you think we're going to go? I said, Omaha, Nebraska. She's like, Why? I said, because the government's going to see that I want to be on the water and they're going to put us in the middle of the country. (laughs) It's so true. That's what happened. I got Omaha. I I laughed. You know, I opened the orders. What are you going to do? I I can't do it. Right? I completely understand. Midwest of my life. (laughs) Classic, man. But it's hard. It's it's a hard thing for people. Um, You know, I, I would just tell them, be careful with that one. 
if you're coming out of LA or New York or somewhere, you'll probably go back there. But man, it, it's just, it's real crapshoot, right? Um, and I tell them, it, that's a hell of a sacrifice. And are you ready to do that? Because it is a sacrifice. And the Bureau wants you to sacrifice. And, and that's part of it. That's part, like going in the military. You're going to go where they want to go. And, and that's just the way it is. Um, but I, I have nothing bad to say about the Bureau. Um, I, I, tell, I tell people, you ought to do it. Um, they're just really good. They, they're really, they train people really well. The firearms program is fantastic. Uh, you get a lot of shooting in. Um, they pay them very well. You know, they do get paid probably. I, I don't quote me on this one, but I'm pretty sure they still make more or they get to the GS 13 level faster than most of the other uh, agencies, but they're all good. Um, but the Bureau, I just, I know it. So I, that's the one I always kind of recommend people to. Um, and then like the tactical recruiting program, which was kind of just starting when I left, but that's a really cool feature. So if you got people from the tier one unit, you know, they can go straight into the bureau through the TRP tactical recruiting program and they get a they get a slot to try out for a hostage rescue team, which really great. So they do a little bit of time maybe as an agent and then they get to go to selection. Um, and I think that's a great way for people to go. Um, that's a great team. Those those operators are really, really good. Um, and, you know, I have really good friends that went over there and nothing but great things that I've heard about. You know, anyone's been over there. I've never heard a negative thing. Um, they really enjoy their work. Um, and it's a great job. I tell people all the time, do it, you know, do it. Uh, you know, that's what you want to do. Heck yeah. The was... a beast. You know, she's, she's a tough beast. Oh yeah. You're gonna get paid with that GS scale tells you you're gonna get paid. And it doesn't matter if you rest a thousand people or one, you're getting paid. Mm-hmm. GS 10 step one. That's it. Oh yeah. And you're yeah. going to put out till the time until you ten, end your contract. <laughs> you're going to put out. That's the game where you're going to get out. But get out, yeah. yeah, no, that's the game. That, that's yeah. funny. That's good advice. Outstanding. So switching gears a little bit more into uh, a little bit more about the protector stuff. Uh, you had a quote in one of your videos where you said protection work is not about the protector. Yeah. Do you want to elaborate on that a little? Sure. I always say, you know, like if you think go back as far of golly, how far can you go? Cain and Abel. Uh, yeah. You can go biblical with it. Peter in the Garden of Samuel with Jesus. I mean, he cut that guy's ear off. You know, like, I mean, you can get real biblical real quick. Um, oh, but yeah. it's always been about someone else's life. If you think about the Praetorian Guard, there's a great book about the Praetorian Guard if your listeners haven't read it. But it, it talks a lot about guarding Caesar, right? Well, it's not about the Praetorian Guard's life. It's about Caesar's life. Right. And, and, and that's the reality. You have the name of that book? Oh, uh, yeah. The Praetorian. Oh, God. You can text it to me later and we'll put it in there because I'm interested in that one, man. That's good stuff. Um, but it's always been this job has always been about the principal and it always will be. You are living their schedule, period. It is about their life. Right. And, and what we get out of it as protectors is we get to be a part of it and we get to do what we love. Right. That's why I keep going back to the why. Why are you doing this, right? And if it is because you feel you know, like this person's safe because I'm here, then you have to realize then they're going to stay in that couch as long as, as, as they want. Me. Right. That's exactly right. Because <laughs> it's about them. It is. Bro, I don't care that your kid's got a t-ball game or that you're missing your wife's, you know, I don't, it is what it is. That's the life. It should bring you joy to know that they're on that couch, happier and safer knowing that you're out there, like that you're out on the wall making sure everything's good. Like it, it should bring you like a deep sense of like, you know what? Yeah. My client's enjoying this and they know they're safer and I want them to enjoy this because I'm out here doing what I do. Even more important for you is that, and for 
my company is that they're paying us for that. Okay. Yeah. They think enough of you, Byron, that they're paying you. They think mm-hmm. you're that good. They're paying you. I mean, in the government, they didn't get a choice. Right. Yeah. Now he wasn't stroking that check. That was the taxpayers. Right. So whether he liked us or he didn't like us, you know, he really didn't have a whole lot of say in it. In the civilian world, they have a huge say. They can mm-hmm. fire you. You know, and so they really think a lot of you as well. And um, and, and that's so that's huge. Right. It, it is huge. And I always say, look, guys, you know, this is a service. We teach three S's, safety, security and service. And we are providing a service because that client tomorrow could say, hey, I don't like that guy in that firm and I'm going to move on. And they have that they have that ability to do that. And, and that's a problem for us. This isn't, you know, like the government where, you know, we're always going to be a detail. No, <clears throat> we can go away tomorrow in the, in the private sector. You know, so um, and, and so that's why I tell my guys is like, look, if you really love the work, then that's the benefit is you get the benefit of doing the job. You get to be out there with them doing the job. But it ain't about you, my friend. The benefit for you is you get to do what you love, but it ain't about you. You know, and I and I told if I if you got one second, I'll tell you this quick story. Oh, yeah. I regret it. I regret it. it. It's it's a terrible it's a terrible like I still get I still get mad at myself today when I think about it. But um, we were going to church one day. FBI. I can talk about FBI. I, I don't have a confidentiality agreement with them like I do with Gavin. But FBI director and this and, and the wife and we we're going to church. It's Mother's Day. And we had, we had got her some flowers like we always did. And tremendously nice people. And uh, they asked, uh, she asked, you know, how's, how's my wife? And, and I screwed up. And I said, well, sir, I said, well, ma'am, this is my fourth Mother's Day in a row that I've missed. And the minute I said it. You knew. It was like a round, like it was a, like throwing a round. Idiot. Like, I <laughs> Take those words back, right? Like it, it breaks my heart now thinking about it because she didn't, you know, it, it, she had no say in it, right? Like she's just trying to go to church. Yeah. And, and me being selfish, saying, and that's the thing, that's the thing you guys and listeners need to re- always remember is the hard thing about protection is humans are selfish by nature. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, in this job, by its design, you need to be unselfish, selfless. Less right. selfless. <laughs> exactly. That's the stink of it, right? That's why it's so difficult. Um, and I, I regret that statement to this day because it had, and he dropped the paper. I'll never forget. And he looked at, <laughs> and he looked at you. Oh man, you got the eyes. <laughs> burn, burn. Deserved it, and I apologize as much as I could, but it, it was still said and I, I should have never said it. And that was an 08. Dude, that was 11 years ago. I still think about it. Uh. Yeah, that's a great story, man. That's the truth. That that uh, and it, it it does it circles into that protection as a calling. Like you know, for me, like something I what you're saying reminds me of like the way I used to. I used to always be like, you know what? Because the reality is, everyone is safer in this room because I'm here. That's that's something I've always taken pride in. You know, my whole life. You know, it's like this is because this is what I do. When I was a young man, I used to always ask the Lord, like, Father, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna? I know I'm a warrior. I know that, you know, but how am I going to serve, you know, and, and do something positive for this world, you know, and I'm so glad he's shown me and given me a path to do that with, you know, uh, you know, and it's, it's so honorable and good and amazing. I'm so happy about it. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's perfect, you know, so. I'm just proud of you that you did it. Cause I don't know, yeah. you know, I don't know what happened when you came out of the Marine Corps. Cause you <laughs> something else. 
Yeah. You could have said, no, I'm just going to go work at insurance or, or whatever, right? Nothing wrong mm-hmm. with insurance, man. Please don't take that wrong. Anyone that's listening, yeah. that's not what I'm saying, right? But there's a great quote in this. There's a movie. I'm sure you've seen it. Um, God, the George Clooney movie, Up in the Air, where he travels all over the country. I don't know if you've seen that movie. You need to see it. Hmm. Okay. He goes out firing people. That's his job. He fi- It's not really? just a movie. But he okay. goes out firing people, firing people. Anyway, there's a great line in that movie. He said to this guy who he was firing, he said, what did they give you to give up on your dreams? How much? Yes. Was it? And he said, 24,900. So yeah. good for you not letting, you know, not giving up on your dreams. Good Thank you. you so much. Yeah. Honestly, it was really the grace. It was really just the grace of God. I just listened to my guiding voice and was like, go here, get this job. You're going to become a bodyguard. You're going to travel the world. I had the balls to listen <laughs> and, and uh, sure enough, yeah, after Very three real. months, that's the, ma- I mean, that was the magic for me, you know, like three months after bouncing and bus, I was busting a table, trying to be a good dude, trying to pay forward more than, you know, I uh, just always trying to go an extra mile. And a couple guys saw me and said, Hey, uh, have this guy do it. And they straight up right there were like, Hey, uh, go get these permits. I'll show you how to make way more money doing what you're doing in, in a few weeks. And I was like, okay, yes, sir. Went and did it. And then all of a sudden the rest is history. Yeah. That's what we do. We, we give out and, and maybe some of your listeners have received it, but we give out what we call preferred candidate cards in our firm. So we see somebody, usually the gym or a hotel or wherever ballet, and he's impressive looking or she's impressive looking. We'll put a card in their pocket. Say, hey, check it out. It's called a preferred candidate card. It basically has a number on it. And if they if they reach out to the firm, they get kind of fast tracked. That's so smart. Because you when you're around in the world, I mean, when you know what to look for, you yeah. see someone and you're like, you could, yeah. you could, you oh, might yeah. have you got the magic eye, Hoy, like on training day, you know, like hey, right. you I could be a guy. legend. I you had a know? guy in the Delta Lounge the other day, and he's like, man, I'm getting ready to go back to Afghanistan. He's a contractor. I'm like, I knew mm. it. He had that look, but he was, you know, big, strong, like, and I'm like, that's it. I'm like, boom. Mm. It's like, dude, I know who your company is. I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's good, but that's that's try, really man. intelligent. You got to try. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's good stuff, man. Absolutely. Okay, so now we get into some a little more tactical stuff, kind of some of the stuff you're training. Active shooter. Yeah. Today in American culture, yeah. things are changing. <laughs> you know, things are changing. This active shooter thing is becoming more and more of an issue. Um, you know, civilians. One of the things that I think me and you both have in common is I really want to empower civilians and people to understand protection and how to protect uh, and how to protect. You know, so with this year, I have the Protector Symposium coming in November um, in Riverside, California. And I chose things kind of what you were talking about earlier. I think it's amazing how much more dangerous or much more um, kind of capable you can make a person simply by educating them. Yeah. You know, when they start to see the world differently and interact with the world differently, s- simply without going to the range, just through teaching them, you know, things like situational awareness, hard targeting, how to construct a plan to keep themselves safe. Okay. You know, these these things that are less sexy uh, really help people have an edge, you know, so that's 
that's what I aimed at with the symposium. And that's really what I want to see. The slogan is making good people more dangerous. That's what I want to see, man, in America. You know, Israel, they have an attack. They have a, a terrorist attack maybe one or two casualties and boom, that thing's dealt with. Everybody's, everybody's getting to work. And, uh, the wolf, if you will, is slain usually really quickly. And here in America, you know, we're seeing double digit body counts and all kinds of crazy things like this. So I really want to help the American public learn how to defend themselves, you know? So the, the one thing, well, there's a lot of things, but, um, I don't, so there's a couple of avenues I don't go down and and, and those avenues are the way the world ought to be. Okay. I'm not going to espouse that we ought to do this or that, or, you know, those are, those are what I call interesting, but irrelevant right now for me. Okay. I don't care why he's doing it. Okay. I I have to be cognizant that he is. Okay. And that's the key word is cognizant, right? So the first hurdle you got to get over and I got to get over and all of us who do this, you know, there's a lot of guys who are listening. Who do you got to get over the reality that Americans have subcontracted their own security. Let me say that again. You got to get over the reality that Americans have subcontracted their own security. Okay. 500 years ago, right? Um, we didn't call 911. Okay. We didn't. We dealt with it or we, we lost or we moved on. And when we moved on, we said, hey, I'm going to get a bigger tribe, and I'm not going to let that happen again. I'm going to get stronger. I'm going to get more weapons, blah, 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 right? And that's what he's talking about in that book about us and them. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Right? So you got to get them over that, first of all, is that it's within them to fight for their their own life, okay? You got to get them to understand that. Secondly, there's a Mm -hmm. time to call 911, and there's a time not to call 911. Okay, you guys walk into Walmart with an AK. This is not the time to call 911. It's time for you to get your ass out of that Walmart, right? Get moving. But most people can't do that because they got this thing screwed to their face. (laughs) Get up. Right? So that's the first thing you got to get over. It's like, hey, it's within you, but you got to listen and you got to pay attention. You got to use that internal radar that you you have. It's called intuition to pay attention to your environment. Look for anomalies. You know, people say all the time, your profile on hell I am. I'm looking for behavioral anomalies, behavioral anomalies, things that don't look right, right? Guy walking into my church with an AK-47, that don't look right. I'm going to deal with that. And that's why I tell people, look for the approach, right? Look for the approach. This isn't Star Trek. They're not going to beam into your spot. They're coming, man. You just got to see them. And people aren't seeing them. You know, if you look at the last three or four that we've had, you know, New Zealand moss shooting was one of the worst because the guy walked a block and a half in full tack gear and no one said boo. Right. And one until he's in the mosque, he started the people realized something was amiss. And I always tell cops, like I have you know, I do church security here at my church, and I always have an off-duty officer. Why? Because I want him there to stop the bad guy, period. Right? Absolutely. I'll deter and all this. And I I walk up to that cop and say, Hey, thanks for being here. What would you do if you saw a guy walking in here with tack gear and an AK? Time to go to work. Right. That's what I want <laughs> Time to do. earn it. That's what I want to hear. And if he says, well, I'm going to get on the radio and call, call for backup, I'm going to say, you need to get someone else because that ain't the answer, my friend. And that's what I call mental rehearsal, right? Like if you, mm-hmm. Tony Blower, a good friend of mine says, you know, if you've never thought about what you do in a situation, the fallback is cowardice. Okay. Your default is cowardice. If you've never thought, hey, what would I do in that situation? Your default is to do nothing. And then, you know, I got a great video of the shooting in Paris where you'll actually do what your buddy does. And that's even worse because if your buddy's a sheep, and they go underneath the table, you're going to do the exact same thing. You're actually better off if you're alone. But that's the big thing is get people back to being aware. 
It's yeah, not yeah. about buying a Glock 19, though. That's a great weapon. It's about mentally being ready, mentally looking around, paying attention to your environment. You know, for those exact same people who say, I don't believe in profile, and you ask them, hey, do you sit facing the door or with your back to the door? They'll say facing the door. And I'll say, oh, really? Why? Oh, well, I want to see who's come in. What do you mean? You profile, profile him? Well, no. Well, no. You're making an assessment, aren't you? Yeah. We've yeah. been doing that for thousands of years, and good for you. It's necessary for survival. I sit here and I, I've had, you know, especially in college, I had to have a lot of these conversations and I'm like, all y'all are profiling. It is a skill humans need in order to be successful and survive. I was like, you're profiling that girl when she came in here. You're profiling the teacher when you walked in here to see, do I really want to think I can learn from this person? You're profiling. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're walking down the hallway. If you're a salesperson, you're profiling. You better be profiling. You know what I mean, like, so this is just... That's what Absolutely. We Nothing wrong with it. Yeah. And, that's uh, the biggest thing. And so as you're out there doing what you're doing, the biggest thing is to get people to just, you know, be aware. And then secondly, what's the plan? Mm-hmm. Right. I had, a, I had a student in Vegas. One of my former students was at the Vegas shooting and he survived. And he said to me, he's like, I heard your voice. He said, when we got there, it was one of those deals where you could sit, you know, either in the middle or on the sides. He's like, I chose the side and I looked and I saw, okay, there's the bathroom, hard structure. If something kicks off, I'm going to go there. And that's what I call mental rehearsal. You don't have to have some elaborate, uh, you know, OSMIAC five page operations order. Just, hey, what would you do if, you know, this happened? And in America, it would be a, a mass shooting. What would you do? And as soon as that first round kicked, he ran, he grabbed his girlfriend, went to the bathroom. Yeah. Why? Because yeah. he'd already thought about it. You know, and that's all they got to do. They got to be aware and they got to have a plan. That is so big, so, so big. And I, I would always, with my guys, my new guys, when we, we get to Iraq, you know, my boots, I'd be like, hey, think about what you're going to do now when we get blown up or when whatever happens, happens. And, you know, they, because I mean, humans, especially if you don't live that life, you know, it's kind of like tough. People sometimes don't want to think about it, which is irrelevant. We're in reality. Okay. You know, this, this is, these are things that happen in the world. Um, but I'd always tell them, think about what you're going to do, go over what you're going to do in your mind. So when it happens, you're going to know what to do. And sure enough, you know, and one of the guys was like, if we get blown up and I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> I was like, we're in a, a, we're in an AO where like, it was like 80% victim initiated IEDs. Like we're getting blown up. We're the lead vehicle. It's going to happen, you know? So say a prayer, do what you got to do and just pucker up, you know, uh, hope your grandma's, you know, praying for you today so we went on ahead and sure enough boom we get rocked man and i'll never forget it he comes up to me afterwards and the dust settles and whatever happens happens and he's like corporal he's like i i I thought about it i thought about what i was gonna do and i did it and he was he was one of the ones i was worried about he was one of the ones i was worried about like am i gonna have to like pull you out from underneath the seat you know when things happen um and god bless him he went into action like that and did the best he could and i was so proud of him that day but he i remember him being like i i I thought about it i did exactly what i thought about and i was like there it is man that's it's that is so true because if you don't have any software you have no software devoted to your immediate action, you're going to freeze. You're going to start acting stupid questions like, why is this happening? What's going on? And those seconds are just bringing you closer to mortality. Those seconds could save you. You know, they could save your life. Oh, yeah. We're talking fractions of seconds. And I always talk about, you know, like the Dr. Phil approach to tactics. You know, I, I don't care why he's doing it. Right? I, I, I don't exactly. give a People talk a lot about, well, what's the motive of Vegas or all these shooters, man? I don't care. 
Ain't no matter to me. He's standing here laying the hate, right? Yep. I am not going to waste the one thing I don't have any of, which is time, trying to psychoanalyze this crap. I don't, I don't have that luxury. Sorry, right? I'm going to make decisions, period, mm-hmm. right? And, um, and I think, unfortunately, that's what a lot of people do is that they, they can't, you know, if you never thought what you do, you can't even process, you know, what would I do next? But, you know, they spend a lot of time with the why, and the why is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Don't matter to me. It is. It's yeah. Now we got to solve problems. Yeah. All right. We're wasting time here. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah. So don't get stuck in the why. Okay. Don't get stuck in the why. The second you hear something, uh, see something, recognize something, start making moves, you know, start, start that loop, start that OODA loop, start making moves, start making things happen. That's right. <laughs> hey, it just doesn't go away. You know, the thing with the OODA loop, man, I, uh, I was talking to someone the other day and it's like, when you get in the Marine Corps, you're like, this is so stupid. It doesn't even rhyme. Like, what is this thing? And then you, after a while, you're like, turn 30 and you're like, that's genius. <laughs> and you're like, it's, it's, you know, and then it doesn't go away after that. There's a bunch of really good books about that guy, you know, John. Yeah. And, um, I used to teach a class about, about the orientation. So, you know, it's observe, orient, decide, act. Well, the orientation piece, that's mm-hmm. critical because a lot of people, you know, their their orientation filter is not the same, right? It's mm-hmm. based on training, upbringing, past life experiences, all of that. All of that contributes to that decision you can make. Mm-hmm. And if you never put yourself out there, right, if you've lived a sheltered life, blah, 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 your orientation filter will get all clogged up and you can't make that decision. Because you're like trying to understand, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas people that have thought about it, people that have lived the life, people that have put themselves out there, their orientation, boom, okay, yeah, I've seen that before. I know what to do. You know, it's like kids on the street. You know, I'd work in bad neighborhoods, man. Those kids were great. They had great situational awareness. Their OODA was spot on, man. Mm-hmm. They knew when the man was around the corner. Yeah. And I think, too, you know, I was talking with my buddy, Daniel Artifacts Firearms Training out here. He was, we we're kicking it around and he was like, um, he said, and the reality is most people are only really able to like effectively deal with or achieve a level of violence that they've been exposed to. Mm. And I think there's some truth to that, you know, because if you really just don't have any, like you were saying, like, you know, that orient piece comes from, you know, the files you have in your brain from experiential information as to what works, what's okay, what doesn't work, all these different things. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot to, you know, taking a little bit of time and valuing training and giving something, some, some, some concepts and ideas and, and training to yourself and your family, especially if you're a civilian. That's extremely important. These are survival. These could be life and death skills, you know, yeah. so. that orient piece is huge because, you know, even if you look at combat engagements, man, like the edge that, that me and my guys would have is just the, the training and the intensity and the understanding of, we know already what we're going to do. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, the enemy was like, sometimes, you know, they, they just weren't as organized and weren't as efficient, you know? The one thing I really don't like about this whole mass shooting thing and, you might have heard me speak about this is that the the buy-in for violence is now the bars incredibly low and mm. uh, how do you mean like well you're some punk kid eating cheetos with pimples on your face get them start getting after it right whereas you know back in the day okay you used to have to wield a sword or something or a shield you had to be strong 
mentally and physically, because you knew the guy I'm battling against, he's ready too, right? And I'm going to take some licks here. I'm going to yeah. take some abuse. Whereas now, when you know, this kid takes a gun, he's been playing video games his whole life. Now he just goes to work, right? Because mm-hmm. the buy-in to violence is so low. He doesn't right. expect anyone to fight back. In fact, when they do, he's shocked by it. You know, and that's what bothers me. Is mm-hmm. That's what really, really, I think at core, bugs the heck out of me about it, is that uh, you know, the buy-in so low. And these mm-hmm. little get away with it. That bothers me. You know, I wish 100%. people were willing to you know, there's a, there's a great guy named James Shaw that I talk about. James Shaw Jr. tuned this guy up in a Waffle House. Boy walked in a Waffle House, thought he would shoot it up. James Shaw beat the hell out of him. Right? Outstanding. Yeah. yeah, James Shaw said, I figured if I was going to die, I was going to make him work for it. Well, James Shaw won that day, and good for him. Um, Heck yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, what, that's what bothers me about these mass shootings. Yeah, yeah uh, 100%. Um, 100%. And, I mean – there's just so much happening with the evolution of the whole entire, all of them too. You know, when the profiles are changing, the TTP, the tactics are changing. There's a lot to it. And I mean, I could psychoanalyze and go into like these crazy rabbit holes with, you know, some of these kids, but yeah, I agree 100%. It's just kind of too easy, you know, which is why we're trying to make good people more dangerous, you know, that's exactly right. You know, and, and give them something to think about after a couple of them go terribly wrong for the shooter. You yeah, know, I think it's getting better. I mean, in that respect, yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know. I, well, look, I analyze these things a lot. I'm sure you do too, but I think cops' mm-hmm. responses are getting better. I think civilians' responses are getting better. I think mm-hmm. people are getting more aware about it. Um, you know, and I think that's all, those are all good things. Heck I wish yeah. it happen. You know, I wish to God they didn't happen, but they do. That's the game. Yeah. What do you think about the run, hide, fight? doctrine approach well i was trained by alert and alert teaches avoid deny defend and that's a little okay. bit better. I, I like that a little better i don't like i don't like linear approaches to violence okay mm. and that's what you like that absolutely that's, that's run high fight right it's like well i have to run and then i have to hide and then only if my life depends on it can i fight well you may have to fight straight away right that may be your first choice that may be the mm. first thing you gotta do right uh, i read some my my colleague was complaining today about some paper that came out or something. Somebody in law enforcement said, you know, um, defend yourself as a last resort. What? That's my first resort. I'm always going to defend myself. Yeah. What are you talking about? That's my first thing. Anyway, I, I don't tell people to hide. I, I tell people if you can't get out, then, to, you know, fortify, lock the door, find a weapon, get ready to fight, you know, that type of thing. That's far more aggressive than get under a desk and hope for the best, right? I didn't work That's out. not a plan. No, it's sir. just not. not a plan. That's nonsense. This isn't a tornado, for God's sakes. So mm-hmm. the things I don't care for with regards to run, high fight is, is it's just that there's a lack of preemptiveness, right? There's a lack of looking for it, right? There's all pre-incident indicators. Tell me the last time, Byron, you read of a school shooter who was the star quarterback of the football team. You haven't. It's always been some troubled kid. It's always over and over and over again. But yet what? Nothing. Right. For me, I tell my kids, you work with it. You go to school with a kid like that. You need to make yourself a note. Hey, if he pulls out a gun, I got a plan. Okay. Because school may take their time getting rid of him or whatever they do. But what I don't see and I wish we would see more of is people, what I call early identification, looking for the behavior early. Right. Mm -hmm. Because they're, they're coming. It's that approach, right? The guy walking with a rifle, the guy with tag gear on. This ain't Halloween. 
that's that's bad. Okay, I need to be aware and get aware from get away from that. So um, I like more. I teach it more of a hopper, more like okay. more like okay, hey, I see that I can do this. Like, and, and it's really you only got three choices: you can call somebody, you can get the hell away from it, or you can confront it. That's it. Those are three uh, that's my opinion. Um, so I'm not super. Cr- I like run and fight. That's fine. But I what I tell companies also to help you is you know don't ever take fight away. Right. And I'll walk away from an engagement from a client because they say, hey, we're not going to tell our people to fight. I'm like, no, you, you're not telling them they have to fight. Just don't take it away from them. Right? Yeah, don't, that's... don't say you can't fight. Don't do that. You know, because now they got nothing. Right. You got to at least give them the ability. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I understand why they came up with it, but I just I'd like to see it more with the, the pre-incident indicators, the pins, <clears throat> the looking out and then. Okay, then we do something because again, they're not just you know coming out of, of nowhere. They're coming. Mm-hmm. People are just not looking for it. Exactly, and they're doing what we were talking about earlier, which is trying to uh, I don't know. They're they're acting like they understand the person's intent. You know, with a lot of these incidents, the person's on social media popping off about their guns and all their stuff, and they're having all these like obvious friction points at school. And, you know, a lot of times at least one person knew, like there's all these little things and it's like, you know, folks, you know, I mean, the see something, say something is re- it's a real thing. Like it really, really getting another set of eyes on something's not a bad thing in today's society. It is appropriate. Right. And I tell, yeah. I tell my, my audience is like, look, and that's great. And, but please remember just because you said something about a coworker or whatever, please don't forget. If he shows up tomorrow with a rifle in his hand, you can't say, but I reported him to HR. No, it's irrelevant. <laughs> Let's get moving. Let's, we're wasting time here. Yeah. Right? Have a plan. Have mm-hmm. a plan. Yeah. Have a plan is big. Your situational awareness really Go. only even helps you if you have a plan. Because <laughs> you can be aware that there's a guy with an AK, but you might freeze. You know, fight, flight, freeze. You might freeze because you don't have because you don't have a plan. That probability goes up. And a lot of times I do get a lot of comments like, well, how am I supposed to be ready for everything all the time? And I'm like, look, man. And then they're like, I'm not going to live my life in fear. I'm like, I'm not living my life in fear. I I feel like I'm being responsible and proactive about my own personal protection and the protection of whoever's with me, family or client. And it actually, I have a higher degree of realistic, like high quality peace of mind when I'm like, Hmm, that guy's a little bit something I'm over here. He's over there. I've got this, these angles on him, and there's the door. Cool. Now let's order a sandwich. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I think that really helps. Well, because we've lost, like I was saying earlier about being domesticated, you know, back in the day, you would never have someone say to you that they wouldn't think that way when they went out. Because when you went out for food, you may not come back. You may not. So you better be ready. You better be aware. You better be doing all these things. You're not living in fear. You're living prepared, right? It's different. Exactly. Unfortunately, now, because of technology and domestication and yada, yada, you know, they don't realize, oh, you know, there are consequences for living that way. You know, there are there. And, and unfortunately, like we were talking about earlier, there's authenticity to violence. You know, mm-hmm. for it, you can lose. And when you lose, you ain't coming home. You know, yeah. Like, the ultimate like, judgment. Yeah. That's the reality of violence. That's why, yeah, that, that book that Tim Larkin wrote was so good. You know, I mean, that is a great book. When violence is the answer. It's the only answer. He's right. He is down. Yeah. 
He is right. And I love what he was talking about. Uh, a social violence, like you don't know what type of social contract the person you're dealing with is, 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 uh, is running. So I, I had a video I posted last week of, it was just two individuals in a, they were having a conversation and one of them walks up and he puts his hands behind his back and he starts talking to the other guy and he insults him. And he like cusses at him at, straight to his face. And the other guy's kind of standing there like he doesn't trust the guy and he's like kind of a little bit. And then the second the dude disrespects him, he's like repeats it. And then bah, he just knocks him out cold. And I'm like, you don't know the social contract that you're that the other person goes by, you know, so this violence can happen at any point. Just based on their orientation, you know, their upbringing, their experiential information. Uh, all the time, avoid it. You know, like, yeah. you know, dude, I carry and all that, but mm-hmm. I, I, avoid, I avoid stuff. Yeah, I'm getting Absolutely. away from it. Yeah, just get away from it because you have no idea what that guy's capable of. You don't know what he's all about. You don't know him. You know, mm-hmm. he just got out of prison a week ago, bro, and he is ready. Like, you don't know. So avoid yeah. it. You can't, right? Till you mm-hmm. can. Then it's on. And get to work. Yeah. The, uh, and then, okay. So then moving into kind of the single protector, uh, stuff we were talking about some difficulties that a single protector may face. Yeah. Well, so funny. Cause in the government, you would never even consider doing a, an operation with one agent. Right. But right. I was like, that's very real. Why? Because that's what the client's paying for. And so you have to adjust, you know, and you have mm-hmm. maybe, maybe like I, I, tell our guys a lot, you know, there's, there's certain times where we'll, you know, we'll plus up a detail and we'll eat the cost we have to, but, you know, they can do some things that are kind of out of the box, you know, like empowering others. Valet can maybe be your drop, you know, the valet guy can tell you if you see something, you know, the driver that you're working with, maybe he's not a bodyguard, but, you know, he's a, he's a paid guy and you've taught him a little bit. Hey, if you see this or I give you this signal, you know, move away. What you're basically doing is creating a little bit of a team out of guys that don't work for you. Right. But, I think the, the one thing about being a single protector that is actually a little better is there's some clarity, right? And what I mean by that is your job is covering evac, right? That's it. Get the principal off the X, get them away from that bad thing. That, that makes it pretty simple, right? And it gives you some clarity when all crap breaks loose. Because mm-hmm. if you go out, I always tell my guys all the time, don't get drawn out, right? So if you, what I mean by that is if you go to the threat, you get drawn out, okay? You go to the threat. Well, if there's two, Malcolm X is a great example. Malcolm, that's what happened to his guys, right? Malcolm's giving his speech and some nitwit in the back throws a smoke grenade. Malcolm X's bodyguards all run up to the smoke grenade and the assassins are in the front row and they lay the hate. They got drawn out. So as a single, I'm, hey, I'm covering EVAC. I'm staying with the principal. You know, it, to me, it's a little bit easier in that respect. than is your mind, you're, it's simpler. Hey, where am I going? That's the only question you got to ask yourself now. Where am I going? I'm, am I close enough to grab them? And then where am I going? Right. So that that's a, and then B walk away from things. You know, you, I'm sure you've seen it. You know, you can YouTube search bodyguards behaving badly, but you know, guys getting involved in things that they don't need to get involved. There's no yeah. need to go after that guy. There's no need to ruffle, you know, yeah, your feathers got ruffled. So what? Get your ego in check. Do right. the job. Right. Get her off the X. Get her back to the car. Mm-hmm. Get her out of that environment. Um, it's difficult. No, no doubt about it. You know, you, you may have to show up earlier. You may have to do your advance, you know, the day before, you know, mm-hmm. but at least lay eyes on the damn thing, you know, versus saying, oh, well, and that here's the biggest thing is it, versus throwing what I call throw your sucker in the dirt 
and go, well, I'm only one guy. I can only do so much. Right? You can't do that. No. Please don't do that. You know, right. do your homework. Do your homework. You may have to do it from your best phone. Best you can. Yeah. yeah. I mean, these things, as much as I hate them, they, they do do some good things for you. You can do oh, it yeah. advance on your phone. You can at least see what you're walking into, you know? Mm-hmm. So, Quite I mean, a bit. To me, it's a little bit easier uh, in that respect, and that I, I'm very sim- singularly focused. Protective coverage with the principal. I'm not leaving. Don't get drawn out. Um, and when you see some bad things happen to guys, that's what happens. They get drawn out into some stuff, and they're not ready for it. Mm-hmm. You know, or there's more of them. The numbers yeah, never work out. Please remember that. The numbers never work out. If you go out there, if you go projective, the, the, they could overwhelm you very, very quickly. If you stay with the principal one-to-one, the numbers are always in your favor. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Recruit a team. Use those social dynamics and leverage all of your assets as much as you can. Exactly. Don't get drawn out. Don't get sucked into something. Uh, I'm sure I've never worked with you, bro. I mean, cut you off, but I'm sure you're really good at this. Why? Because you're a nice guy, right? So like working with the valet or working with the guy back in the kitchen, if I treat him well and I'm nice to him and I say, hey, man, would you mind holding that door open for me? Or, hey, when you see me coming down the hallway with her, would you open the door for me? Mm -hmm. They'll do it for you if you're nice. Yes. If you're some jerk off, right, and you're, oh, look at me. I'm the tough guy. I'm with such and such. Dude, they ain't going to help you. No, you're already tough. You're cool. You're too cool for school. <laughs> be nice to people, man. What does it cost you to be nice to somebody? Nothing. Yeah. We and always you, give them, you know, that book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. You know, we give that to all of our students. Really? Read that's the book. You know, man. Because yes. you, you need these guys. You need that valet. You need mm-hmm. that concierge. They, they don't need you. You need them. Yeah. The house, it's just, people. Yeah. It's just another celebrity coming to the house, you know, you know, big deal, you know, to a lot of these guys, man. You and, don't want you to know. say, you know, hey, her guy was a jerk. You want him to say, man, her guy was really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what you want. And it'll follow you around because you may oh. think you're never going to come back. You'll find yourself at that FBO again. Yeah. <laughs> You'll find yourself at that hotel again. You, Your reputation follows you. Yeah. My buddy Bill says it's like a boat's wake. You know, maybe people may not see the boat. But they feel that wake, and that's your mm-hmm. record. Yeah, how you treat people. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That that's that's that that's that exact that's that EP stuff that that everyone needs to really really understand. That makes our lives a lot easier. Oh, yeah. Okay, so you kind of you already kind of said something about this one, but would you change anything about your professional career? No, huh? No, I couldn't be happier. I could not be happier with. Uh, where I am and who I'm with and who I'm doing it for and, and all of it has been fantastic. I'm just glad I had the guts to, to, cause I left early. I didn't stay for my whole FBI retirement thing. Uh, I left early. I had yeah. to go and, and it was a calculated decision. Um, but I'm very glad I took it and, and Gavin's they, everybody, the firm, it's just been great. Yeah. That's outstanding. Uh, that's good. That's pe- That's that's a beautiful place to be in life. I'm happy for you. Thank I'm you. real happy for you with that. That's that's good. What's it all? What's it all for? What's it all been for? If you're gonna say like, you know, all this I've been doing, at the end of the day, you know, this is what it's all been for. Yeah, just to help help others. You, I always say, man, God kept me alive for a reason, right? He did, and and I have to believe it was to help some other people. 
and learn, you know, kind of, so you don't learn it the hard way. Right. Um, but I have to believe that. And, and by getting those letters or those emails from former students who are saying, man, I, I heard you, I heard your voice, you know, or I go on assignments, you know, even now, you know, and I'm sure you go, Hey, how, how can you be so calm, sir? I'm like, because I've been through all this stuff, bro. Just relax, you know, relax. Um, what it's all been for is just pass it on to the next generation, you know, make it better. I mean, one of the things I'll show to you, one of the things I'm most proud of is here. Do you hear this? You hear that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Those are coat buttons. Okay. All right. So one of the things that will get me going real quick is if I see a protector with a suit coat buttoned up. Okay. Um, <laughs> because I know he can't get to his gear. Right? Yep. And even if he doesn't have any gear, at, yeah. least, at least make him Looks. think. Right. Like maybe he does. But if you're all buttoned up, I know you don't or you can't get to it. Right? Yeah. So when my new agents would come across the street over to Hogan's Alley and they had their coat buttoned up, I'd take my spider coat out and I'd cut Oh, them. no. Oh, yeah. That's so good. That's so old school. That's right? like something they do to the Marine Corps and like rip your uh, tab off or something. You do something stupid. Man, that's good. Class, that class, uh, when they graduated, they, uh, they gave me a shadow box with all their buttons in it. And oh, dude, I've got a lot of cool things, you know, over my time there, but that's probably my, my favorite thing because they got it. Mm -hmm. Those 43 students, they got it. You know what I mean? And like to this day, I know I, if I saw them on the street as an FBI agent, I know their coat would be on button. I know. It. And so that's that tells me, OK, you did something, you know, like it, it mattered. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Yeah. The, <laughs> so I got these suits that I've been getting. They're these like high speed gray man tactical suits and they have a snap here in the front. Right. And so I'm like, oh, you know what? Maybe I'll just snap it. It's I can get to my stuff. And now you just ruined it again. <laughs> and it took me a while to be like, you know, maybe I'll try it today. Just snap it. And you know, <laughs> completely ruined it. I, can, I just can't now. <laughs> and it's the appearance that matters too. You know, it's everyone being like, Hey, that guy's working. How ready is he? Is he ready? You know, they don't know I have a snap there, but you know what I mean? At any rate. <laughs> cool, though. Good for you. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, that's, anyway. yeah, that's good stuff, man. Accountability standards. I love it. That's what makes you good. That's what drives you to be good. I remember I was talking to my wife about this the other day. I remember being around my father when I was little and he'd be like, and there was this like healthy fear, you know, <laughs> it was like this, like, I want to spend time with my dad, but then I'd be around him and I'd be like, oh no, he's going to be like, have you done your push-ups this morning? Did you do your sit-ups? <laughs> you know what I mean, like, this is going to happen. And I'd be like, oh man, but I mean, that's some of the best stuff in the, in the world for developing a good human, I think. You know, oh, it's, dude, it's I, necessary. I tell this great story. And I apologize to your listeners if they've heard me, but I have to say it. Uh, my father, um, I, you know, I, I saw him twice a year because they were divorced. But mm. when I was little, um, he used to always order a cup of coffee and he'd have it, you know, on the side of the table. And he it wouldn't drink it. I didn't know what that was all about. Mm. So. When I was finally old enough, I asked him, like, Dad, what's with the coffee? He's like, it ain't for me. It's for them. I'm like, what? Like, okay. been here and wants to rob this place. I'm throwing that coffee on them, and we're going out the back door. <laughs> Good to go. That's but, outstanding. So, like, he, he had been in Vietnam, and he really understands situational awareness. But the thing that he taught me is that what that does is it's time. 
right? I always talk about time. Like it gives you time, right? Mm-hmm. Like how do I get some time, right? And you do it through something like that, like a distraction. I used to teach, you know, teach anti-carjacking to FBI agents. And one thing you do is throw the keys at the carjacker's face, step offline and draw and go to work. But that mm-hmm. key to the face gives them, gives you a little, buys you a little time, not mm-hmm. much. That's why I carry a flashlight in my left hand. Because if I pop you in the eye with it, you get that beam, it'll buy me a little time. I can check your hands, waist around an area. And I can step offline a little bit. But that light will give me a little bit of time, a little fraction, right? Mm-hmm. I'll take a good flashlight over Glock 19. Well, not all the time, but a lot. Something, yeah. A lot. I don't leave home without a flashlight, ever, ever. I'm a, in the same way, man. That's, 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 that's EDC right there. Yeah. I mean, that thing buys you time. It's the one mm-hmm. thing you don't have any of. You know, I used to work with this great guy named Ted, and he always tells, or Doug, and Nick, both of them would say it. They tell FBI agents, when they say, hey, sir, how many rounds should I take on a raid? We got this question a lot. And they would say, don't worry about the rounds. You're not going to run out of bullets. You're going to run out of time. You're going to run out of time. Man. That's... Be, deliberate. be deliberate. Yeah, be deliberate. Be effective. Be efficient, you know. That's good stuff. Okay. What uh one habit do you have that you believe makes you a better person, better protector, and all those things? Uh constant learning. Mm. We have a thing in our firm called K and I, constant and never ending improvement. But I I believe in reading every day. I believe in learning every day. Another young police officer, a guy said to me, he says, Boy, if you ever get to the point in your life where you know everything, quit. Quit. And and that stuck with me 28 years. Dude, I read every, I read, I learn, I learn from you. I learn from others. And a lot of it also, you can learn from bad stuff too. You can Mm -hmm. see bad behavior and you can learn from that. Right. But I always am learning. And that's the one habit I have. I think I I read a lot and I think I, I don't ever turn it off. My wife and I were laughing the other day about a day off. She's, she's in a job where she's very, very passionate too about what she does. I don't don't really have days off. You know, I'm in it. Yeah. That's awesome. I agree 100%, man. I I like, I just, I almost, I'm honestly getting a little frustrated on weekends when nothing's open and I'm trying to get stuff done. You know, it's a completely different way to live your life when you're fueled by passion. And I hope everyone else, other people can access this like power, (laughs) you know, Um, you just, you know, it's a different, completely different experience that's good stuff always learning do you have a favorite quote mantra saying the uh, one that comes to mind the ones that people will accredit me with is you know be an active participant in your own survival that's a big one i always say hope is not a tactical plan i say that a lot um but as far as quotes go, like on in my office, the one thing I do keep and I believe in is Teddy Roosevelt's Man in the Arena. And if you don't know that one, you need to read it. Um, yes. It's, it's not the critic that counts. You know, it's about the man who's in the arena whose face is marred by the dust and sweat and blood. Who knows the triumphs of high, you know, high achievement and it worse fails, fails while daring greatly. And the thing I like about it, he says, his place will never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat, right? Meaning someone who's not hung it out there, right? Mm-hmm. That's, to me, like, that's why I like single protectors. They're out there. They're the man or woman in the arena. They're out there. At least they're doing it. 
I tell my kids every day, I hope to God you try and fail versus right. never try. At least you tried, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that, to me, that's what it's about. That's why, you know, the person who's out there doing it, that's, that's it. The man in the arena. Man, that's good. It's the most alive feeling that exists, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah, you can't, it's hard. You can't even describe it to somebody who hasn't been there. But when you're exactly. walking, you're in, yeah, it's on. It's fighting that dragon, you know, that keeps, brings you alive. It's fighting that. And then when you do it and knowing, you know, the note that what it does for your personal identity to even be able to make that fight. And then to evolve through the lessons you learn, whether you sometimes you win, sometimes you learn through that fight. And then to know that you have what it takes to try again or fight something else, something bigger. So, yeah, this is this is I think it's the healthiest thing for your inner psychic world, for your personal identity to be that man in the arena, get punched in the face, realize it didn't kill you. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and, and to see what you can dish out and to take on these great endeavors, you know, um, man, like a lot yeah. of guys will see, you know, they'll see you or see one of my guys, you know, out on the red carpet and, and they're like, I want to be that guy. And then I always ask them, you know, Hey, are you ready to do what that guy what are you did willing to do? Because you don't see the preparation. You don't see all the hours that he went, that he did, that he put into to put himself. It's like the guys on Sunday in the NFL. You know, we see them playing, but we don't realize what they did to get there. The streetlights. Right. We don't know the pain and the work and the sacrifice and the discipline. We don't know any of that. We just see, oh, look, but are you really willing to put in that, right, to be that guy? Show me. Don't Mm -hmm. tell me. Show me. Mm -hmm. And that's the reality. You know, you got to be able to put in the put in the work man and the thing is and not even show us you're gonna have to show yourself <laughs> it's gonna be just you in the morning you know what i'm saying at 5 a.m going to the gym it's gonna be just you you know what i'm saying it's it's a beautiful thing you know but you know what's good about that no one can take it from you who wasn't there with you you know no one can take it from you after yeah. you 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 earn these these battle scars yourself and you're not that knight in shining armor whose medal's never been tested. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? No one can take it. Garrison soldier. Uh-huh. Garrison soldier. You know, yeah. Guys back in their back in the rear. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. God bless them. Did we uh okay, so let's see here. Let's see. What would be one thing that you want the industry to remember you by? You know, one or two more questions. If there's Oh, just, you know, how much I respect what they do. And that I think it's really, really, and this is my biggest thing. And I, and mm. people have heard me talk about this, but I, I'll say it for your listeners is that I, I think it's incredibly unfair that if you look at it, like in, we do a lot of corporate work. If you look at a corporation and you have, you know, CEO, C, you know, CFO, chief legal, you know, accountant, blah, blah, blah. Well, the security person is one of the only people that is not required to have the same type of education and skill level that these other folks have. And it's very, very unfair, right? And, 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 and I think if I could do anything, it is professionalize the, the work, right? So that they look at that, they, that guy is a security advisor. That, he's not just a dude driving the CEO from point A to point B. No, he's the security advisor. He spent his entire life dedicated himself to safety and security. And I'm going to ask him what his opinion is of me going to Beirut next week, right? And I'm going to value it. And I'm going to listen to it, right? <laughs> right? 
Right. Yes. Well, they don't. What they'll do is they'll say, no, I'll tell him when I need security. Well, sir, are you a security advisor? You don't do that in any other area of your company. You know, you don't tell the lawyer what the lawyer's opinion should be. He'll, you listen to it. All right. And I just wish they listened to our guys. Right. And so that's the biggest thing for me is professionalize the art, professionalize it so that people are looked at it. I mean, that guy, that person, right, is a professional security person. That is what they do. They're not just some dude who, who says, I'm, I'm, I'm a bodyguard. What? No. Like he, he lives it. Like that's his calling. That's his vocation. That's, that's the biggest thing for me. Cause if, you know, like Gavin always says, if how, how a man does one thing is how he does everything, you know? And so well, do it right. Do it right. Don't, don't do it halfway. Do it hundred percent. Do it correctly. Uh, that's what I want people to remember me by is that I love the guys that do it, the women that, that do this job, but um, I, I expect a lot out of them. There's, you know, the, the buttons is a big thing. You know, it's attention to detail. Be professional in all that you do, you know, take pride in what you are and who you are and all that, you know, mm-hmm. very, very important. You're not just some dude or do that. Yeah. That's it, man. You got to be the hero, you know, not to ch- quote Joe Rogan, but like, I was thinking this too along, you got to be the hero of your own story. Like you, you're writing this thing. This is you, like, this is your story. You got to live this thing. <laughs> I say to my folks all the time, like, would you hire you? Right. Would you hire you? And if the answer is no, you better get better. You Absolutely. Better. Because would you, you know that, I mean, that, that, that's a pretty good one. Hey, would mm-hmm. I pay money for that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And like what you said earlier to bring just real quick as we close, those people believe in you enough to hire you to keep them safe, especially in the private sector. Like, and that's something I think about all the time. I'm like, these people are paying me to, to protect. They think highly enough of me to pay me a salary to be here to protect them. That's right. We got to do this right, guys. We got to, And I'll be danged if it doesn't happen. We got to do this right. That's, right. that's true. That's good stuff. And that's been fantastic sitting here and talking. I knew this would be a good one, you know, hanging with you, Mr. Hamilton. It's, it's an honor and a privilege. My honor. I'm proud of you. Good Thank stuff. you. What you're doing is fantastic. Good for you. It means a lot. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Good to go. Um, where can people find you these days? Um, I'll be traveling. You'll see me in an airport, but, uh, Definitely uh, hit me up on LinkedIn if you have any questions. We're hiring. I mean, we're hiring every day. So if anyone's interested, um, big recruiting push right now. Um, you know, if you're, we, we have offices all over the country, mostly California, uh, West Coast, uh, New York, Atlanta's big, uh, but we're all over. Um, and people can see it on the website, gdba.com. Um, but we're, we're, we're actively recruiting right now, anytime. Let me know. Um, and, and one thing about us is we're super responsive. If uh, and I and we literally, I'm not kidding you. I just had a guy get through the training school last month, and he'd reach out to me on LinkedIn, and he's like, "Hey, sir, can you help me out?" We got him in the next class. All right, like that's how quick we react and respond. Um, so, outstanding. Yeah, yeah we're, we're that's where we'll be. That's where you know, look us up. And if we're not right for you, then just choose somewhere else and do it yourself or whatever. But just kind of biggest thing is you know, be married to the art. You know, and make yourself better, make the industry better, hold each other accountable, help each other. You know, there's no, none of us are in competition here. We're all trying to get better. We're trying to keep people safe. Mm -hmm. We could all all exist on that plane. I think we're in a good spot, you know. 
I couldn't agree more. You know, I couldn't agree more. That's good stuff. Good to go. Well, once again, Mr. Hamilton, it's been an honor and a privilege. I love the depth and the perspective you have. I think it's, it's, I mean, it's needed and it's so, you know, even all the way read the tribe of man. Wasn't that the book? Uh, the, the way of men. Yeah. Way of men. Yeah. And he's got three books in that series that are all pretty interesting, but if yeah, you're a young man out there, you should read, read that book. Read it. You know, there's so much good stuff. Read every day. Absolutely. And stay learning, always learning, you know, and now we're in like the best time in in the world to do this. I mean, I'm, I mean, I don't read as much as I should, but I get audio books, you know, I mean, you can learn literally anything. It's really, really easier to learn today. You know, Mm -hmm. good to go. Well, all right. Well, thank you so much once again. And if you haven't already, get your tickets for the Protector Symposium. The first annual Protector Symposium is taking place in Riverside, California, November 15th and 16th. We've got an all-star lineup of seriously elite trainers. Yosef Badu, Ed Caldrone, and Mike Pannone are all going to be there teaching and instructing us on well, our common goal, how to make good people more dangerous. So no matter what your background is, you're going to learn skills around the one unifying principle of protection. Get your tickets. Uh, Spots are going quickly. And remember, you're going to get over $100 worth of value back in different things that you're going to get from our sponsors with your purchase of a ticket. Check the website out, Byron Rogers Motivation, for ticket information and to learn more. Out. Boom. And to support this podcast, go to executiveprotectionlifestyle.com and contribute to our Patreon account. That Patreon account is what helps me make this podcast possible, contributing to this brand, what we're doing here, making it so that I can bring better guests on, making it so that we can plan more events and just expand the contribution to the private security industry and also to make an America a safer place by teaching people how to protect themselves and the mindset behind that, the lifestyle behind that. You guys are already killing it. $1 a month. a month, 10 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month, whatever you can do that you know you would probably just lose in the mattress anyway or spend on McDonald's. Hey, you want to put it towards something that's going to good use? Put it towards a podcast and get involved in our our Patreon account at executiveprotectionlifestyle.com. If you want to find me, that's byronrogersmotivation.com. Um, You know, do whatever you can, contribute whatever you can to that Patreon account because it makes all of these things possible, ladies and gentlemen. So much love. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you for making those contributions. You guys rock. We're already doing amazing there, and it's just because of you guys. So thanks once again for those contributions. Boom. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode of Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast. This whole entire thing actually just started off as a Facebook group that blew up and is one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing executive protection uh, Facebook group online. So if you haven't joined the Facebook group, join the Facebook group. Uh, Follow us on Instagram and check us out at executiveprotectionlifestyle.com. If you want to find me, that's byronrogersmotivation.com and I'm on all the social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook as well. So until the next podcast, y'all, stay sharp out there. And as I say it, one mind, many weapons.
Talk soon. Out.